We've been talking about having our next guest on for some time, and we're very pleased to finally be making that happen. She's the producer of the HBO documentary Mr. Conservative, Goldwater on Goldwater, which earned well-deserved rave reviews last September on HBO. Mr. Conservative, from the title, was Senator Barry Goldwater of Arizona, the Republican standard bearer in the election of 1964. The senator, regarded by many as the founder of America's conservative movement, was of particular interest to our guest today, for he was her grandfather. We'd like to thank Cece Goldwater for joining us from her Arizona home. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Cece. Thanks, Doug. I'm glad to be here. You uh, mentioned, Cece, near the start of your film that you grew up but knowing that your grandfather was vilified by some people. But what strikes people as they watch your film is how complimentary so many folks are about Barry Goldwater. And you, you expect that from people who agreed with him politically, but it's people who disagreed with him that remain to this day so utterly respectful of him. Were, were you surprised to discover how much people like Andy Rooney, James Carville, Ben Bradley, uh, they respected and liked your grandfather as a person? You know, I actually was, because, you know, doing this film, as you said, growing up, all I had gotten through my life was, oh, my God, Barry Goldwater's your grandfather? Oh, he would have really put us in big trouble with Vietnam. It constantly got this warmonger kind of a perception of what Barry was as a, as a, a, a nasty villain. And going through the process of doing the film and interviewing these people, I think with the years gone by and people being able to reflect now back on what Barry was saying that he was so prolific, that he was so ahead of his time, that now people on the right and the left, especially on the left now, are actually agreeing with what he said. And, and because the, party, the, the, the Republican Party is so fragmented, um, it's kind of what he predicted would happen to the party. There was one clip you showed that was really illuminating, taken in 1963, showing Barry Goldwater saying, I think that they call me conservative today, but uh, eventually I'll be called a liberal. Yeah, he named a few other people like Thomas Jefferson and himself would be called a liberal. I think he probably felt his thoughts were a lot more on that uh, very the conservative side of not the conservative party that obviously today, but more of the conservative of a constitutionalist. He was very empowered by the Constitution. It was very much of his Bible. It, um, he, it represented everything that he stood for. Well, uh, one thing that's very enjoyable about Mr. Conservative is, is how often... I found myself laughing because your grandfather obviously won a lot of people over with his sense of humor and still does so in the film. He wasn't afraid to say things. He just said what he felt. You know, growing up in a territory, you know, wild west Arizona, you know, shoot from the hip, say what you feel, you know, be honest. You know, he didn't suffer fools. I think he always told people what he felt. I, I don't think he really cared even about the consequences of what he said. I think he always just said to himself, as long as I'm honest and true to myself, whatever happens, happens. Well, there are many people quoting him seem to have a twinkle in their eye, and I, well, there's too many examples to mention, but I do want to just get, give at least one. You had Robert McNeil, former NBC newsman, McNeil Lair Report. He noted how your grandfather would be out in the campaign stump and note to people that, you know, referring to how, you know, country clubs wouldn't allow Jews in. He'd say, well, I had a Jewish father and Episcopalian mother. Uh, I'm only half Jewish. Can I play nine holes? <laughs> It's such a great line. Yeah, that was his humor. He was very proud of the, of his upbringing. He knew, he knew his mother's you know belief in it being a, a, a Episcopal, 
and that's the way he grew up. And he also knew that his father was from a Jewish family, immigrants from from Poland. So he was aware of both of it. Um, so he 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 really used it to his advantage to help with his personality, especially some of those quirky little comments that he had. Well, there's many fascinating uh, moments in the film, I think, that uh, would surprise a lot of folks. For example, your grandfather and John Kennedy were very good friends, dating back to serving in the Senate together. They knew in the early 60s it was quite likely they might be political opponents in 1964. The two of them were seriously, or at least semi-seriously, talking about how, you know what we ought to do? Let's rent a plane. We'll fly around the country in the same airplane. Get out and give dueling remarks. It, it's 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 kind of a remarkable idea. But looking back at those two men, you think that you know they just might have done that back then. I think without a doubt they would have done it. Um, I think my grandfather was very enamored with um, John Kennedy. Really thought a lot of him. Thought he was a wonderful man. Felt very strongly about their friendship. They did. Um, you know, he's very involved with the Bay of Pigs, and 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 Ke- President Kennedy would call on him often for. You know, just at kind of the, the right field advice. And they had a very sincere relationship. And I, I, I know without a doubt they would have done that. They would have done an amazing job, and they would have revolutionized the whole way of politicking. And, 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 and what's so ironic about this is about a week ago, I was listening to um, a radio station, and they were talking about how great it would be if McCain and Barack Obama would do the same thing as, as the Goldwater and Kennedy idea, then it would be a very interesting concept. And, and so I guess maybe people are starting to think about things like this. I think it might save a little bit of money, too. <laughs> so evidently the, your documentary is sort of circling that idea out there. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, it would be a wonderful thing. Can you imagine? I mean, think about how much money that they would save and think about how much, you know, how, how honest it could be. You know, it, just, it would just be a really interesting way of campaigning. I think it'd be like the Lincoln-Douglas debates. I think it would be classical. Classical. Barry Goldwater had a lot of different talents. Uh, I can remember his photographs being in Life magazine. He he, uh, helped with your family business, uh, the store in Phoenix. He was a ham radio operator. He was a skilled pilot. And, and of course, we we alluded to earlier, in a way uncommon for people in politics, he spoke his mind. Um, In your documentary, you go on at length about how, really, in some ways, he seems ill-suited to be a politician, precisely because of his habit of saying what he thought. Can you talk about how sort of unpolitical he was in some ways? He never, ever had aspirations to be a politician. Nowadays, politicians have aspirations to be exactly that, a politician. He was running a store. He ran for city council only because there was no city council, and everybody just sat around one day at a bar and said, okay, well, you're in city council, you're in city council, you're in city council, here's our city council. And the next thing you know, there he is, he's in city council, and McFarland's seat came up, and, and McFarland was a senior senator and had a lot of clout in Washington, and my grandfather just decided to roll in, had a lot of charisma, and just landed it. And I think he was never really sure that he was going to get that job, and I think once he got immersed into it, he really, really loved it, but he was never set out to be a politician. He wanted to go to West Point. He wanted to graduate from West Point. He was... He had been in World War II. He used to fly carrier aircraft between India and Burma. And he really was somebody that wanted to stay in that, in that realm. But it, it wasn't what happened. That wasn't his destiny. His destiny was to be a politician. Well, Mr. Conservative takes on uh, the controversy about, uh, about your grandfather with, with, with surprising honesty. Um, you showed some cartoons demonstrating how he made some political errors, some big errors, really, in the 64 campaign. It's discussed how he appealed to his political base, but didn't move to the center, didn't, didn't resort to a lot of political uh, double talk. Um, from a purely political standpoint, that was a dangerous move, and it did cost him rather dearly. 
the biggest thing in the 64 election was his vote against the civil rights, and it was really about the accommodations clause in the document itself. It wasn't the whole bill. It was just part of it. So, in essence, it was really tragic because you throw the baby out with the bathwater, and it's, it, it wasn't good. I think it was, uh, it was something that he really wished probably later in life he probably looked back on and, and thought maybe, maybe that wasn't the right decision. But he felt very, very strongly about constitutional rights and, and allowing people to, to be able to pick and choose who they want to sell to, to, um, to have in their store, to have in their bar, or to have in their restaurant. That's what he felt that was their constitutional rights. I mean, if you, it, it just... It was just what he felt, and um, that was about the public accommodations clause, and that's all that he was really against. But they really made a meal out of it, and then they also made him into kind of a, a terror guy where they you know, had the Daisy commercial, and, and there she was pulling the pedals off, and a and, and nuclear bomb goes off, and, and all of a sudden you, know, you believe that Barry Goldwater is going to just kill everybody. And it was just so far from the truth. Let's, let's talk about that ad. It's considered perhaps the most famous political ad uh, ever shown. I was shocked to realize it only apparently aired once, because I'm, sh- I'm positive I saw it back in 1964. It certainly was associating your grandfather with being a little bit, say, loose with the nuclear trigger. And politically, it was, it was very effective and, and sort of opened the door to a lot of the attack politics we've, co- we've sort of gotten used to over the years. You started the documentary with that. It obviously was, it made a great impression on you. How, how do you react to that personally? I think what I was trying to point out in the beginning of the film was this was the advent of electronic dirt. And now it's, it's just part of the political system. Uh, politicians, when they do commercials, are nasty and mean. They don't even talk about the way they feel. All they do is sit there and put down their opponent. So we never really know who they are because they're too busy, you know, slapping the other guy down so fast. I mean, instead of talking about really what they're going to do to change things. And that was the advent of the whole concept of doing that, which was the Daisy commercial. They didn't mention Goldwater. All they did was just do images and countdowns and, you know, you know these are the stakes. So if you don't you know, vote for Johnson, and if you don't vote for Johnson, then those are the stakes, and bye-bye, that's, you're gone. It was a shocker, and it ran once, and my grandfather called and had it removed, and they were nice enough to have it removed, which was great. They probably wouldn't do something like that now. Who knows? But it was really nasty and awful, and it was very hurtful. He was, he was very hurt by it because it was an assassination on his character. Well, looking back at 1964, Johnson uh, was, of course, painting your grandfather as a, as a hawk, as a war hawk. He was admittedly uh, hawkish in, in dealing with uh, the communist um, regimes of the USSR, Vietnam, etc. You had a very interesting quote from John McCain. He succeeded your grandfather as Arizona senator. After being told by your grandfather that McCain would never have served seven years in the Vietnamese prison camp if he'd been elected, he joked back, uh, no, Barry, it would have been a Chinese prison camp. Uh, Is there a sense, looking back, that your grandfather ever concluded that expanding that war in Vietnam was, in retrospect, perhaps the wrong thing to have done? Oh, absolutely. You know, his tactic with anything, I think even right now with Iraq, he'd probably be going, you know, what the heck? I mean... I, I, his his whole his whole attitude was get in there, go aggressive, be fast, get in there and get out of there and be done with it. I mean, you don't go in trickling in, trickling in, trickling in like we did with Vietnam, and over the years you lose hundreds of thousands of ki- of young boys and women, and it's just I think his his tactic was completely different. And I looking back on you know LBJ, I I think he probably realized that as well as well as Nixon did at the very end. So. 
Yeah, I mean, Barry had a very aggressive way of doing things. He was in the military. He knew, he knew it. He knew combat. He knew what it was about. He knew structure and he knew strategy. And he was very, very good at it. And he was a general. And he knew this stuff. He wasn't going to play games. He was going to go in there and, and make it happen or, and get out of there. We're speaking with C.C. Goldwater about her grandfather, Senator Barry Goldwater, and the HBO documentary, Mr. Conservative. C.C. had some really colorful quotes in the documentary. James Carville said that if, if Ronald Reagan was the conservative savior, then Barry Goldwater played John the Baptist, which I thought was pretty good. But uh, yeah. Ronald Reagan really got his start in the 64 campaign. Can we talk about that? He did. He, there was a speech that came in, and it was, um, it was called The Speech, and it was written, and it was supposed to be delivered by my grandfather. And this was before he ended up doing his famous speech. Um, but the speech came in, and my grandfather read it and read it and read it, and then just said, you know what, this, this needs to be read by an actor. And the next thing you know, they get, you know, this B actor, you know, Ronald Reagan, and he reads it, he reads it perfectly, and it's powerful and it's great, and... Then my grandfather went on to, to do his extremism speech, which was very, very shocking and very powerful, but very, very poetically true today. We should remind people of that quote, which, if I may take a stab at it, is, extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. Moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. And how true is that right now? Pretty ironic, you know. We, uh, being moderate is not, not what we need to be in this society right now. I don't think that we have these extremists wild, crazy people in the Middle East right now being really moderate. I think they're being a little extreme. Well, let's talk a little bit about the origins of the conservative movement as, as we talk about it. Uh, Ronald Reagan owes a great deal, obviously, to Barry Goldwater. Uh, your film shows clearly how politically the Republican Party linked itself to Christian conservatives and the social agenda in the 70s, but this sort of thing did not sit well with, uh, with your grandfather, who had some unkind things to say about Jerry Falwell. Can you talk about that? Ah, you know, he, Jerry wasn't one of his favorite people. <laughs> he had a real opinion about it. He, first of all, he thought that, that religion has no place in politics. It is not part of the agenda. It's not part of what we, we should have as people in Washington deciding on whether we should have prayer in school, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think that he was very outspoken against Jerry Farwell and, and really felt that Jerry should keep his mouth shut and, and tried to say that in a very tactful way, but my grandfather's tact and diplomacy were never necessarily um, uh, <laughs> without a little bit of a... <laughs> Without a little bit of a, uh, something that would be, that would be definitely uh, a great quote for the news. <laughs> I think he wanted to kick Jerry Farwell in the ass. I think that's really what he wanted to do. Well, I, I, again, I want to recommend everyone who's listening to us to make sure that, uh, that they, they take in this documentary, which, which CC is now becoming available in universities. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, actually, the film is um, now but, um, just being released into universities through Zeitgeist Films out of New York. They are the uh, distributor, and it goes into libraries and universities, high schools, and also to academic, uh, military uh, institutions, et cetera. And then in late April, the, my grandfather's book from 1960, The Conscience of the Conservative, is being re-released through Princeton University Press with a new forward being written by George Will and an afterward being written by Bobby Kennedy, Jr., so it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. It's, it's going to be really fun. This, this year's going to be fun. Well, again, we, get, we, give, it a, we give it the highest endorsement. <laughs> Thank um, you. Thank you. A great strength of your documentary, CC, the numerous contributions that are made by your family members. Uh, and, and if no one else has thanked them on behalf of the public, I'd like to do so for the, the personal touches that really round out the film. 
Oh, I'm glad you liked it, and I hope everybody that hears this gets a chance to watch it. I think HBO will air it occasionally. Um, they do have the, you know, they do air it occasionally now, but it will be out on DVD at the end of um, at the end of summer, like probably at the end of July. Then you can go buy it at DVD. Well, Chris, you've been very motivated to round out people's perceptions of of your grandfather. Um, I want to talk about a really touching moment in the film where you, where you talk to your mother. Yeah. About it, she elected when to, to get an abortion when she was 20. She was not ready to have children at that point. And her mother, your grandmother, had started Planned Parenthood in Arizona. Right. Your grandfather was quite supportive of her decision. Uh, this is not something we associate with today's conservatives. And it really shows how libertarian I think he was. Yeah, that was, you know, that was a very touchy moment because my mom, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to talk about something like that. And that was... You know, my mom was very young at that point, and you know, having ha- having an abortion at, at, when she was that age was very, very risky and very, very dangerous. And she really took her life in her hands by having one. But she knew in her heart that she wanted to be finish her degree. She wanted to get educated. She wanted to make sure she had that. She wanted to go on and have children. And she was getting married. And it was just that's just what she, her decision was. But it was her decision, and that's what my grandfather was all about. It was her decision to choose. It's a woman's right to choose. It, it is not somebody else, uh, some man telling you, yes, you have to do this or whatever. It's, it, it's a woman's right to choose whether they're going to take care of this child or not. Because who knows? I mean, the guy might blow out of your life, and you're ended up with a child. <laughs> sure. At the end of the documentary, I think Barry Goldwater's maverick status leaves people still trying to explain really how independent he did think on, on some issues. I think one of the most interesting quotes you have is, is your grandfather referring to Thomas Jefferson's idea of the separation of church and state. And he's noting, and this is in the early 80s, that, that quote, the religious right scares the hell out of me. They have no place in politics, end quote, which is certainly not a mainstream Republican thought today. He also, uh, in, in, in the, later in life, opposed restrictions on gays in the military. I think a lot of this stuff would surprise people who see to see your film. It's very educational, and, and the other thing that's interesting is that when you see the film, you realize what, what role he played, an instrumental role in Watergate. And um, that was very, very, that was a very troubling time for America. We had a president that was lying to us. We had um, a, a Congress and a Senate that was just not knowing what to do and really, really just wanting to get the president out of there. And without having to impeach him, you know, was trying to just kind of slowly cork him to get out of, you know, the office. And my grandfather had to do a lot of that. And it was something that a lot of people don't realize, that he had an incredibly important role in that. Yeah, I think it was John Dean called him the unsung hero of, of Watergate. And, uh, and Ben Bradley was talking about how people were looking for the Post, their coverage. And your grandfather was frankly speaking to Ben Bradley and also saying, you can't publish any of this because knowing how stubborn Nixon was, if you do, he's going to stay in office just to spite everybody. Yeah, he was afraid he'd, he'd be, you know, having drinks with Ben or doing something or having dinner with Ben and tell him what was going on. And, and he just said, look, but you can't, you know, you can't write anything about this. If you write something about it, he's not going to leave. I mean, he's, he's so stubborn, he's not going to leave. And so luckily they kept it really under wraps. And then the minute that they were able to do something, the Washington Post came out with it. And that was the cover of the Washington Post. Well, in the end, uh, Walter Cronkite said he thought that, you know, Barry would be, you know, turning over in his grave to hear him say it, but he said he thought he was a liberal. Uh, White House correspondent Helen Thomas agreed with that assessment. Uh, George Will argued, I thought somewhat unconvincingly that the national political conversation had moved off of topics that, that Barry Goldwater uh, would, in, would embrace as conservatism. He was a complicated guy. In the end, CC, how do you really define his, his convictions? 
I think the main thing about Barry Goldwater as a, as a person, personally, he was a, a, a wonderful, charming man that had a tremendous amount of charisma, was very interested in everything from gadgets to flying to photography, as all the things that you mentioned. Um, as a politician, he was very complicated. He, he spoke the truth. He spoke his word. He felt that honesty was the, the only way he believed um, that was accurate. He could not stand people that lied to him. He felt that, you know, politics was a place that, you know, was an honor to be in. He, was, he felt honored to be a senator. He felt honored to, to be, you know, in, in that position for as long as he, he was. He felt religion had no place in politics. He felt that, that, that women should have the right to choose, that gays should be in the military. I mean, you don't have to be straight to shoot straight. And I think <laughs> that that is one thing that, that, that Barry was, you know, Barry was just very true. He was very true. And you never, you never questioned where he stood. You, don't, you, you always knew exactly where he was. And, and he, was a, he was a right-on guy. He was a, he, it, you know, they broke the mold. And unfortunately, I don't, I, you know, it'd be great to see somebody else come out like Barry Goldwater. I don't, I don't think, Cece, we will see the likes of him again anytime soon. Final, final comment, I think, Inspiration, we are a university uh, radio station. I know we have a lot of uh, students that listen in. I was so impressed, and I didn't really catch this the first two times I saw the, the documentary. It took the third time to see it, was that he took his skill as a filmmaker. He was very good with a camera. He took boats down the Colorado River, wooden boats, back when, you know, you, prior to the era of the rubber raft, filmed the whole thing, went around the state, showed this, this great adventure to people and really made himself a household name, which really enabled him to jump from the Phoenix City Council to the United States Senate. So I think that should inspire a lot of young people out there. You know, it, that, that movie was, uh, was done before Glen Canyon Dam was built, which is, um, which is a big dam there. And, and, and it, so the water was completely different, much more rough. And, you know, the boats would, you know, they'd get to this rock cluster and they would have to pick the boats up, and all the boats, and drag them all over, completely over a rock cluster, and the rock clusters could be, were pretty big, and then they'd put them back in the water, and they'd float down again, and they were filming the whole thing, and it was just an amazing piece of footage that I found, and it was something that I found in, the, in my Uncle Mike's house in a closet on the floor behind a bunch of stuff. So it was, it, it, this, this making this film was a very interesting process because of the archival film footage and family fo- film footage. I mean, there's a lot of home, home movies, and it's, it's just loaded with really interesting things. Watching your grandfather pick up the trombone and start to play it on the whole movie still cracks me up. It's just... And he played it. He played the trombone. <laughs> well, he played it. Bo- he played the trombone, and he also played his hand like a trombone. <laughs> well, again, I don't think the likes of him will uh, will come along anytime soon. It's been a pleasure to talk about him, and again, I want to recommend to all of our listeners they do take in your your excellent documentary, Cece. Oh, good. I'm glad. I hope I hope everybody you know gets a chance to see it and maybe. You know, if it's available at the library, check it out. Or if it's part of the political studies or whatever, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be great. And then the book will come out, and it's definitely a reread. It's a, it's a great it's a great book. It's something that when you read it, you go, "Wow, this is so important for today." And maybe we should uh, maybe we just got to start turning everything around and start looking at things differently. And CC, for those who would like more information on this, what website can they go to? Mister No Dot Mister Conservative Goldwater and Goldwater dot com. Cece, thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. The HBO documentary is titled Mr. Conservative, Goldwater on Goldwater. We've been speaking with the film's executive producer, Cece Goldwater. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. Let's take a break.